Welcome to Truly Fit, the online fitness marketplace connecting pros and clients through unique fitness business software. Welcome to the Truly Fit Podcast. I am your host, Steve Washuda, co-founder of Truly Fit and author of Fitness Business 101. On today's podcast, we speak with Michael Ashford. Michael is the host of Fit Dad Fitness Podcast. He also owns fitdadfitness.com. Specifically, he works with fathers, and he has a really creative approach where he takes what I would consider a zoom-out psychological approach and brings up the question with fathers, what are you willing to give up on the front end as far as your time and your energy and your effort to make sure that you are healthy and happy on the back end to be able to help your children out? Do you want to travel across the country to watch your daughter play soccer? Do you want to be able to get down on your your knees and get up and off the ground very easily to play with your grandchildren? Well, that takes effort now on the front end to make sure that you can do those things on the back end. So Michael takes that approach. He works with his, with his clients again from that perspective, and I think that is fantastic. He's going to go into depth on different nuances of his business, and I, I love his perspective. With no further ado, Michael Ashford. All right, Michael Ashford, thanks for hopping on the Truly Fit podcast. I'm going to throw it straight to you. Let's give the listeners a, a, a background, a bio on you, and a fitness-specific bio, how you got into fitness from the get-go and, and what exactly that means for your career right now. Sure thing. Um, so first off, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, always good to connect with another podcaster. My background in fitness, let's see. Growing up and and all through high school and even after college, I was a runner, uh, a distance runner. I ran cross country and track in high school, and that was kind of my thing. Interestingly enough, my dad and both of my uncles on my dad's side, all growing up, they were competitive bodybuilders. They had been weightlifters my entire life. And every now and then I, you know, went to the the gym, dabbled in it. I even had, as a teenager, a weight set in my bedroom and it just collected clothes, right? Just collected dirty clothes. (laughs) I never really was that serious about weightlifting and resistance training, but I was a runner and I loved it. And, you know, admittedly, I was a pretty darn good distance runner. So that certainly helped as well. But I've repeated the story many times, so I'll keep it short. But in 2012, I saw a picture of myself and I had the traditional or typical uh, endurance athlete's body, very skinny, little muscle mass, um, just didn't and didn't look super healthy. Um, I I really wasn't. I was relying on good genetics at the time. You know, I, I was thin. Even I may perhaps even use the word skinny, uh, but I was just getting by on good genetics. I wasn't really paying attention to what I was eating. I'm from the Midwest, so lots of fried food, lots of casseroles, lots of butter, lots of you know unhealthy stuff for just about every meal. Very very carb heavy, uh, not quite as uh, heavy on the on the protein side. So I saw that picture of myself and just said, you know what, I'm, I'm a dad now, I'm a husband, I've got people who are counting on me to be around for as long as I can possibly affect. And so I made that decision back in 2012 that I was going to work on myself. And I did. And for whatever reason, I said, the gym is where I'm going to make this change. It wasn't going, to, it was no longer going to be running. I didn't, again, guys are visual creatures. And so I didn't really like the fact that I had no muscle tone and going back to what I knew growing up, 
to get muscle, you go into the gym. And that's where I went. After a while, um, I, you know, you get this itch, you get this bug to help others know what you know. Like once you begin to see the benefits of going to the gym and working out and living a healthier lifestyle, whether you like it or not, like us people who, <laughs> who do work out and exercise and train our bodies, it's hard to shut us up, right? Like it's, it's hard to get us to not talk about lifting and fitness and exercise and nutrition. And you just want that for other people because you know, now you know how good you feel. And in 2016, I became a certified personal trainer. I started training a few people here on um, in person here in the Denver area where I live. I also started an online fitness business called Fit Dad Fitness, really focused on that fit dad, that dad who is busy, who has a job, who has other commitments and responsibilities and wants to take care of himself, much like I did back in 2012. So that's what I've been doing for the last four and a half years. Now, this is not my full-time job. I full-time, I am the director of marketing at a software company here in Denver. So this is definitely a side project, passion project, hustle project, whatever you want to call it. I just want to help dads, man. Uh, that is, that is really what my heart is in. I think that's a fantastic niche to be in. I've, I've really haven't noticed that that is something that people um, have, have jumped on. So I think you're a way ahead of the game here by hopping on the, the helping the dads, because, you know, nowadays too, I think, uh, you know, as fate may have it for uh, you may be transitioning to, to doing this full time with people working from home, they are even more sedentary and they need, they need that extra push to do things. And also it's, if gyms are closed in your particular area, which they are all across the country, yeah. you need to be innovative and creative. And chances are you need to reach out to a certified personal trainer or a group fitness instructor so that you have ideas on how do I get fit? What exactly do I do? Where do I go? And then also you need someone to hold you to that to those workouts, right? Because it's not as if you're going to these big group fitness classes and you're paying all this money in advance and you're like, oh, I already paid $300 for like Susie's yoga month. It's like, no, no, no. Like you're, it's, you set a time, right? At whatever, 6 p.m. to work out, but are you gonna do the workout? One of the things I said once gyms started closing down, you're absolutely right, Steve. Like there was a, there was a all of a sudden, a very clear need for, people to reach out to an expert or, or someone who knew how to properly program a workout or a training regimen, because so many people just go to the gym and bounce from machine to machine, or they follow what the big guy <laughs> is doing. Right. Uh, but when the gyms closed down and you no longer had that social situation, you no longer had that ability to just go and work out with 50 different machines in a big box gym, for instance, people understood like, Oh shoot, like I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have supposed to be progressing myself day in and day out. I usually just sit down on the leg extension machine and pop in the weight on the stack and, and go, or I go to the cable machine or I lift some dumbbells. But a properly progressed training program that moves you towards your goal, whatever that may be, that involves a level of detail and intricacy that a fitness professional is going to give you. And by not having the gym, by maybe perhaps only having a couple sets of dumbbells at home or maybe nothing, maybe you only have your body weight and some things that you can throw around the house that left a lot of people in a lurch. And so, you know, I'll fully admit 
my business grew during uh, during the lockdowns and the shutdowns. And I believe it was for that reason. People were kind of striking out on what to do. Accountability, I go back and forth with like, as your coach, I don't want I don't want you to have to be accountable to me. That accountability becomes comes within you. That accountability, you are the only one who knows how much time, effort, and energy you are putting into accomplishing your goal. And that is an unfair responsibility to place on somebody else because we just don't know. Like I, as a coach, just simply don't know, did you actually push yourself as hard as you said you did? That's an unfair place. I can be there to support, to educate, to guide, to, to edu- uh, lead, but I don't want to be your accountability. Oh, I'm, I'm with you completely. How do you, do you feel like your transition to uh, being, you know, teaching online now, which a lot of us have had no choice but to do, I, I feel, I'm glad I did it. I feel like um, we could talk about this further, but I feel like if you don't have your, at least dip your toes into both, you know, onsite and online training, you're going to fall behind. You have to have some sort of online virtual appearance as a personal trainer or a group class instructor, because that's just, that's just a sign of the times. It's the way things coming. But do you feel like your online training is better for your niche? Meaning like dads have a better time working with you virtually than they would on site? I don't know that I can make that judgment, quite honestly, Steve. I will say by me first training people in person, that made me a far better online coach. By, by seeing and understanding movement patterns in person and watching someone, you know, say one thing, but move in a different way, that's very hard to do in an online space unless you're doing it live. And that's not always scalable, right? So, you know, finding the, the balance there in an online environment is tough. I, I would say it's probably hard to go from on, it's hard that an, an online coach would be able to appropriately train an in-person coach like it doesn't go both ways so i would definitely say any any coach you need that hands-on in-person experience but then once you have it and you get a better better understanding of what you're working with you can be a phenomenal online coach and you can scale up your efforts beyond that it just you know in some instances you got to kind of take it slow if that makes sense. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, in, in my book, Fitness Business 101, I talk a lot about that, how it's so important to build slow. If you have too many clients before you can actually help your clients achieve their goals, you're going to lose clients faster than you're getting clients, right? So everyone wants to be this marketing and advertising genius and find a ways to get 100 clients. It's like, well, your best bet is to slowly like grow your craft, right? Become an expert in actually being able to help your clients and then through word of mouth and then obviously transitioning to online and more scalable um, you know, programs and platforms, you can then build your business. But th- there is no replacement for training in person for a, for a few reasons, I, I believe personally. And one of them is certainly being able to walk 360 degrees around your client, being able to potentially palpate them in a certain area and say, hey, listen, do you feel this? This is your lat. This is what should be firing. It's not firing right now. Uh, you're using too much serratus or something, right? Those those things, so far, we haven't found a way to replicate that. That doesn't mean that online training still doesn't have its place, but for yeah, a growing absolutely. trainer, you have to start in person to really grasp those things we talked about. And, you know, one of the best examples I can give you, I'm training my son right now, my 10-year-old son. He's a brand new beginner to weights. And 
that is very similar to someone who is deconditioned, who perhaps is unsure about resistance training. You have to teach them how to move their body in a way that perhaps at first feels unnatural to them. And if you have no experience helping someone do that in person, it's very hard to know what to communicate online to them to get them to understand like the level of communication, your skill set has to be so much better uh, to, to train someone online, to get them to understand what you know, just intuitively in your head from how you feel. And so I'm training my son and, you know, I can point to him, like when you do that lat pull down, this is the muscle and I can touch the muscle and say, this is where you should be feeling it. Squeeze this muscle as you pull down. It's very hard to get that feeling across to someone in an online setting, unless you can tell them cues and appropriate actions based on history of working with someone else in person. It's, it's a very tricky spot. And, and there is a, an immense opportunity for online trainers to do it well. You can be a life changer for people. You just need to make sure that you're not doing harm or damage uh, first and foremost. Yeah, that's a great point too. I'm going to go back to what you said about queuing. You know, when we're in person, we have so many different ways to demonstrate. We can do it ourselves and the client can see us and they can see us from all these different angles. We could have them do it and then continue to correct them. And again, we can manipulate them if, of course, if, you know, we, we ask them first, if it's all, we're okay to touch them, but the verbal yeah. queuing and the ability to describe one thing, four, five, six different ways until they finally get it is something that if you don't have that in online training, I feel like you're three steps behind because there's gonna be a point in which you're trying to describe said movement. And for whatever reason, if I were to use one verbal cue, right, Michael gets it. If I were to use another verbal cue, Steve gets it. But maybe Susie, maybe Susie doesn't get it. So I have to find a way and keep spitting out all of these different, you know, uh, could be analogies. Sometimes I tell people when they're squatting, you know, pretend you're holding uh, groceries coming out of the car and you're trying to close the car door, right? Push your butt back first yep. before you go down, right? So th these little verbal cues that just click in people's heads and go, oh, okay, I get it now. Yeah. My, my favorite one is as you're squeezing your shoulder blades together in, in, in a lat pull down, for instance, squeeze your shoulder blades together like you're trying to squeeze a pencil in between them. And people all of a sudden get that. Oh, that's what it's supposed to feel like. Yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah, I love the creative ones. I had a, I had an instructor once, uh, a TRX certification I was at, who was trying to help people like engage their glutes in a, uh, in a plank and say like, hey, you have to recruit like your glutes in this plank. Like, don't don't let it just be all core. Like, tighten tighten your butt. He said, pretend there's a a quarter in between your butt cheeks, and by the time you're done with this plank, you have an imprint of the president's face on your butt. Yep. <laughs> uh, so just just interesting things that you'll never forget because of how they described it. And I think as trainers, you know, we, we have to have that skill set, especially now with this online training world. Absolutely. So true. So let's go more into detail about your experience coaching dads. And I want to first jump into making time to work out. We, we brushed on it a little bit, but it's tough for everybody, um, whether it's pandemic related or, you know, you're maybe you're a, a single dad and you have a child and you work nine to five and then you have to find a way to spend time with your, your kid as well. How do you yourself or and or help clients who are dads manage their schedule to make sure they get their workouts in? It 
it is the reason why I work with dads because in the internet, social media, it's rife with 20 year olds, 25 year olds who are not fathers who sit there and spew no excuses and just get it done and work harder. And the dad over here, me, I'm like, dude, I've got a job. I'm the sole breadwinner of the family. My family counts on me to, to do this job. It's tiring. It's exhausting. Then I have my kids like, dude, you don't know tired until you have to come home from work, cook dinner, and then put the kids to bed. Like miss me with your no excuses pep talk. All right. And then you have other commitments and responsibilities. Maybe you are active in your community. Maybe you're coaching your kids' basketball team or softball team. You go to church. You have other hobbies and interests. You have friends. Like There are so many things that are heaped upon a parent's shoulders, not just dad's, but I'm a dad. I know the dad world, right? (laughs) So I don't need another fitness bro telling me no excuses. We have excuses. We have commitments. I, I prefer to list them out as commitments and priorities and responsibilities, not so much excuses because of the negative connotation that that people ultimately jump to when they hear the word excuses. So my question to dads all the time is, what are you giving up now? Or excuse me, what are you giving up in the future by not taking care of yourself now? Think of it in those terms. And all of a sudden, a dad gets starts to think, you know, when I'm, when I'm 65, I want to walk my little girl down the aisle and feel confident and feel good in that moment and not need assistance. Um, when I'm 70, I want to hold my grandchildren in my arms and feel stable and sturdy. I want to get down on the floor and play with my grandchildren. I want to retire and travel the world with my wife and never, never feel like my body is holding me back from those experiences. But if I don't start taking care of myself now in some way, shape or form, I'm, I could potentially be giving up those things that I, I idealize in the future, my future self. And that resonates with dads because we all have this drive within us to provide for our families, to be a good leader of the family, to, to protect all those things. And it starts with taking care of yourself. There is this, you know, there's this mentality with a lot of dads that I'm so busy and I'm so uh, overstretched that I don't have time to work on myself. And in some cases, that may be true. We got to work through how do we shed some of those things. If you truly want to make this, you're going to prioritize things that that are most important to you. So do we get rid of TV? Do we get rid of, you know, going out and bowling every, every night, like back when we could do those things, you know, right. (laughs) It's much easier now because nobody leaves their house. But these are the conversations that I have with dads to try and help them think of what their long-term legacy is going to be as it relates to their role as a father and their role as a husband within their family. And then it's a matter of just, Hey, let's find what works. If you only have Two, two days a week where you can fit in a 30-minute workout, it's better than nothing. If you only have five minutes every day where you can that you can squeeze in a simple body weight workout, it's better than nothing. And you'll find eventually over time, 
those workouts, those exercises, those, those training sessions will begin to squeeze the other things further down the priority list because of how good you feel, how confident you feel, how much healthier you feel, how much energy you have, all those things that you eventually, like I said, you want other people to experience because it does feel so good. And that's, you know, I, I, I wanted to make sure that I trained dads, that I only work with dads. Um, I've got, I've had a few men who are not dads, but it's just a, it's a, it's a unique perspective on the world to be a father, to have children, to have those responsibilities and want to take care of yourself. And you, you mentioned earlier, like it is a niche, right? It's a niche. There are a lot of fit dad guys out there. There are a lot of, you know, I can think of probably 10 off the top of my head of guys in this space who are trying to help dads. And we're a tight knit group because we're all wanting the same thing. We want better for ourselves and our families. Steve, this is a long winded answer to your question. (laughs) I know, but uh, it, it is something that I'm deeply, deeply passionate about because for far too long, we've just heard this message of no excuses. And that's a BS message, man, especially from, from somebody who has no idea what they're talking about. Well, that's a fantastic way to kind of repurpose that question and ask them, you know, what do you want out of your future? What are you willing to, to give up to understand that in the future, are you not going to be able to get down because you have sciatica and you have major issues with your back and you can't play with your child? What about if you're you know, your daughter goes to college to play softball, but she goes across the country and you can't go watch her because, you know, you can't get on a plane due to all of your issues, right? You have some sort of chronic heart condition now because you were, you know, eating yourself into it. So I think that's a great way. I, you know, I just had a podcast that, with- To that point, Steve, let me, you, may, you, just, you just brought up a really great point. So many guys are focused on building wealth and building their, their empire here in the here and now. But if you don't take care of yourself, what good is all that wealth and all that, those possessions and all that stuff if you die of a heart attack at 55? Because you're stressed, because you're unhealthy, because you're overweight, because you have all these chronic illnesses, like- Stop and think for a moment what you are mortgaging. You are mortgaging your future life for this finite moment in time. It's why I hate 90 day shreds. It's why I hate, you know, drop 15 pounds by the summer because none of that gives you that mindset of this needs to be something that I can sustain for the rest of my life. I want to affect the rest of my life with what I'm doing right now. And Steve, what you just said is, is, absolutely spot on. You're mortgaging something. What are you mortgaging? And if you are dedicated to only the here and now and growing wealth and material possessions, what good is it if you're dead? Flat out. It's, it means zero if you're dead and not able to reap the benefits of all that hard work. Yeah, totally. And, and you know, to speak to sort of my specialty, it's working with seniors. And I can tell you that every senior that I work with will tell you, I wish I would have started earlier. I wish I would have started earlier. And, and I've had the, I guess you would say, luxury of working with seniors who have a lot of money, specifically. That's my niche, rich people over the age of 65. Yeah. And they would trade all of that money to have started training 15 years earlier because of all of their issues. And you cannot get that time back. And, mm-hmm. and retroactively, they could have found ways 
to switch their schedule around and do it and and they all regret it and i think that's you know that's that's an important part to take and i think for the trainers out there you know i just had a, a podcast with a celebrity trainer john bezerra who has been in the industry for 35 years and he told me when he works with his trainers he tells all of them train your clients for the future they're going to have issues and elements down the road and you want to train them so that they can potentially not have those elements or at least they can delay having those elements don't worry i and like you said for all the 25 year olds who tell you i know the way to get your six pack that's great but that is not going to be important for basically the second and third part of your life right so maybe for the first 25 years it is but for the next 50 years it's not so prepare for the end however daunting or uh negative that sounds yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and and then also just just to add to that, I think you know you were speaking. We both we both mentioned it. You know about like sort of like the finances and how people will work so hard to you know accumulate all this money. I think you could also explain it to clients in that way as well, and saying like, hey, you know, you're not just willy nilly going out there and spending all of your money at once, right? You're finding a way to save for the future because you understand how important your future is. Why don't you do the same thing with your body, right? Think of your body the same way as you think of your bank accounts where, you know, I'm, I'm putting a little bit in here, I'm putting a little bit in there, but I have to invest for the future. And Steve, that, that takes a conversation shift as well, away from how your body looks to how you feel. And there's a big, big difference in training for looks and training for longevity and health and, and feeling good. I know, I know a lot of guys. I've had some of them on my podcast specifically talk about this. They trained for looks. They did things to their body to look a certain way, to step on a stage, to, to grow a certain amount of muscle. And yet they weren't able to get down on all fours and play with their kids on the floor. It hurt too much. Now tell me, what are you going to regret at the end of your life? That you didn't look a certain way on stage? And that's an extreme example, I understand. Or that you didn't, you weren't able to play with your daughter. You weren't able to play Legos on the floor with your son. You weren't able to, to play tea party with your daughter because you couldn't sit down on the floor and not feel uncomfortable and pain. Like, let's, let's be honest about what we're talking about here. If you train for looks, you take shortcuts, you go, you go through extreme fad diets and, and extreme weight loss exercises to try and achieve something that are you ever going to get there? Are you ever going to be satisfied with that? But if you train for how you feel, if you train for, I want to wake up every day when the alarm goes off with energy, I want to wake up, I want to come home from work and have enough left in the tank to run around the backyard with my kids, to throw foot, the football with my son, to play, you know, horsey with my, my daughter as she rides my back around the house. Like, let's be real about what we're talking about here and, and shift the mindset of training away from, I'm going to help you lose those pounds. I'm going to help you uh, build that muscle to, I'm going to help you move how you want to move. And guess what? 
all that other stuff that you care about, losing the weight, being able to fit in those jeans, taking your shirt off at the beach, that stuff all comes as a natural byproduct. You're going to get there anyway. I promise you. We're just not going to shortchange you. We're not going to shortcut your well-being to achieve it. Yeah, and I think you have, uh, it's funny that I'm going to try to tell you your demographic, but I think there's three pieces to this. I think there's that group, which you just mentioned, right? The people who are overworking themselves and doing the wrong things because their, uh, you know, vanity supersedes, you know, long-term health and wellness, right? Then you have the group who unfortunately just doesn't know any better where maybe they're, all they're doing is running, right? Maybe that you have the guy goes, oh yeah, I'm in shape because it's not his fault, right? This is pure naivety. He's a, he's an accountant and he spent his whole life with his head in the books and he thinks it's smart to go on marathons, you know, uh, twice, three, three times a year. And that's all he does is train for marathons. Meanwhile, you know, he's got no cartlets left in his knees and he's not building any muscle and he's actually, you know, more deconditioned than you think. And then you have the third group, which is just people who are completely sedentary and who, who tell you, I don't have, I don't have the time. I'm sorry. I just don't have the time. You're absolutely right. And you know, part of it too, is like, if you love running marathons, I don't want you to stop doing that. Let's find ways to train around that so that you can still do that. But if you, you know, as you get older, how many uh, people in advanced age do you know who can't lift something up over their head to put it on the, on a shelf? Like how many people do you know? One of the things I practice, and I'm only 36 years old, but I practice this all the time. I practice getting up from the floor on my back without using my hands. How many people of advanced age do you know who can do that? Well, you've got to be able to move your body to be mobile enough, to be strong enough to do those things. And that's a different style of training. That's a different approach to a lot of it. And resistance training is going to be, in my opinion, the optimal way to do that. But I'm never going to tell you, like, if you love running, go run. Now, there's a difference between just going out and running and doing all, everything willy-nilly and training your body to run. You know, I'm a former distance runner. There's a difference between training to run and just going out and running. You know, how many people do you know who just love running, but they're injured all the time? Well, you got to talk about mechanics. You got to talk about proper warmups. You got to talk about uh, the the proper way to move your body in space as you run. Like going out for a run should be every bit as much a training exercise as going into the gym. Yeah, totally. And I, and just to go back to a point you made beforehand, it's important that people enjoy whatever f- fitness medium it is that they choose. I mean, not everything needs to be enjoyable. I purposefully make one day miserable for myself because I, I believe that's important. So I have every Tuesday, I do the Murph, if you know what the Murph is. Yeah, yeah. It's a CrossFit workout that's really tough. And I'm not a CrossFit guy, but it's really a body weight workout. And I force myself to do it every Tuesday. Now I will take off, I'll do it sort of eight weeks on, eight weeks off because sometimes it's too much for my body. So after, after I do it eight weeks in a row, I'll pick another really tough workout to do on Tuesdays something that I don't really love and something that pushes me and I make sure I do it. But with that being said, I love Muay Thai and kickboxing. uh, So I make sure that I go, that I kickbox, right? I love Pilates reformer. I make sure that I'm doing the Pilates reformer. I do things that are both healthy for me and that I enjoy on top of just general health and wellness, just going into the weight room and finishing a workout. Because like you said, as long as you're moving, as long as you're doing things that are bettering yourself, both psychologically and physically, who cares what fitness medium it is? 
and for me, like I'll put it in, in terms of how I approach that, like none of my goals regarding my health and fitness, um, have anything to do with the gym, like the gym and, and, you know, I work out of my basement now, but the gym resistance training, that's my preferred way of training my body but all of my goals exist outside. So I'll do a 5k or I'll go, I live in Colorado. So I'll go hike a mountain to the very top, you know, 14,000 feet. That's really, really hard. Um, I like Spartan races and warrior debt, like those obstacle course races, those as you're doing them, those suck, man. Like those are some of the hardest things I've ever done. But at the end you have felt, you feel accomplished knowing that you have done the next hard thing. And you're absolutely right. Like challenging yourself, pushing yourself out of a comfort zone is a crucial part of your health and wellness because of the mental strength that it takes. Not maybe not the physical strength as much. Maybe it is easy for you, but maybe you don't like it, but you do it because you know it's good for you, both physically and mentally. I don't know if you do recommend this, but I feel like too, mate, for dads, it would be ideal to join men's groups that have fitness related uh goals or tasks or even like the whole premise is fitness related so like you know 45 and over basketball leagues like yeah that's fantastic you're running up and down the court you're doing these things rather than like let me just meet with my 45 year old buddies at the bar it's like well you know you can still you can have that maybe one drink or two drinks uh afterwards but like why don't you meet for basketball first yeah no yeah that's great and you know especially now it's so hard to, to find those opportunities, but they, they are there. And you know, that, that gets into a bigger issue that men need to be in relationship with other men besides just having a drink at the bar. Like there is camaraderie, there is accountability within a, a group of men that supersedes, you know, just banter about the weather or sports, right? We, we've got to have something deeper than that. And physical activity, physical training, physical fitness is a great intro and foundation to having those relationships that, that so many men, A, need, but B, don't have. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm uh, actually, in about three hours here, we have uh, my buddies, uh, we have a Broentine's Day instead of a Valentine's Day, an early one, and we're, we're going to play pickleball. So. Oh, the- just a bunch of guys playing pickleball for two or three hours being, you know, pseudo competitive, which is, you know, it's not, it's not as uh, difficult as, as hiking a 14,000 foot mountain, but you're still, you're still sweating and having fun. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's what you want to do. It's, it's good. I love that, man. Do you use any particular platforms um, when you train your clients? Are you using like a trainer eyes? Are you just doing stuff through like workout builders and sending them? How do you, how do you run your online fitness programs? I use Trainerize. Yep. So that, that app has been, uh, what I've used since the beginning and yeah, I think it works well. I mean, they, they've certainly improved it, uh, since, since I first started using it back in 2016 and, uh, it, it does work well. And, you know, for the trainers listening out there, having the ability to say, you know, you get access to my app, that is a value add for clients because they want to know I'm going to get videos with my workouts because you're not there with me. I want to see the move being properly done. So, you know, I'll film, I'll film exercises and load them up for my clients. They get their workouts. They can message me there. It's, it's, uh, it's become a very valuable resell resource for me. And it's a value add. It's a value add besides just getting your workouts each week on a spreadsheet. Yeah, Although I think- that is completely 
appropriate and okay if that's what you want to do. You just got to go above and beyond to make sure that your clients understand the moves and, and tracking properly. Yeah, like you talked about, not you know, if you want to be the 25-year-old who makes, you know, who's only worried about scalability and and builds a sheet to say, here's my six-pack abs sheet and everyone do the same thing, regardless of your age or your fitness or any of that stuff, great. But if you're actually trying to help your clients, you're you're much better off making your own videos too, because honestly, there's things in fitness that are subjective. There's things in fitness that are objective. For example, like a kettlebell swing. There's, there's more than one way to do a kettlebell swing, right? There's not, there's, there's a lot of wrong ways, but there's more than one right way, right? Just slight anatomical tweaks of angles you use and how much hip drive and how much glutes you're engaging and all these things. And if I want to show my client my way, I want to be able to take that video and show them, especially if they have like a particular injury and I have to then reshape that exercise accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. A great point. You want to be able to, again, just demonstrate for your client the appropriate technique that you're looking for. Is there something, I'm uh, putting you on the spot here, but is there something on that app that you don't like? Like, can you think of something that when you're working on a day-to-day basis, you're like, oh, I'm tr- I wish this was there. I'm only saying that so that eventually into truly fit, we can integrate in the sort of phase two and phase three, like all of these things that, that trainers are, are, are hoping for, but they're missing. Yeah, you are putting me on the spot. I mean, this is this is not even a feature. I can't stand in the Trainerize app how when I log into a client's profile, it it pops in a tab, and I can't have one client profile open at a time. And that's when I'm working on a desktop or on my computer. It's not the same in the app environment. Environment is pretty solid, I would say. Um, it's it's more the desktop where I'm building out my client workout plans that. Eh, that, that could definitely use some some work in terms of UI UX, uh, okay. but that, that's the software guy coming out in me. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, that's funny. Well, I mean, I guess they are maybe a little bit more slanted, assuming that majority of their people are using the app rather than using the desktop version, right? For sure. Yeah. I mean, they, they've definitely created it for a app experience first, which is appropriate. I get that um, for sure. Yeah. So I know... The trainerize is a big one. True coach. Some people um, that I've worked with, some of the trainers are using that as well. And uh, a lot of people are just going straight through Zoom. They're saying, hey, I'm going to, I'll send clients stuff through email. We'll, I'll work with them through Zoom and I'll have my own, you know, Stripe account and, and I'll go that route. Yeah. And for me, like being a busy dad, being, you know, I'm, I'm homeschooling in the middle of all this too. And, and spending time with my wife, going out on dates with my wife, like doing things around the house, like that part's not scalable for me. So I do not do live classes. Not right now, not to say that I never will, but right now that's not scalable for me. So I'm only online coaching through that app because, and every now and then, you know, I'll jump on with a client if they have a specific question about a move or they want to they wanna go through a workout because they're just not getting it, not feeling it. I'll do that from time to time, but scaling that up. Yeah, dude, I don't have the time for that. <laughs> yeah, totally. So now I'm going to ask you a very direct dad question. Uh, come July yeah. 8th, I will be a first time dad. So my, my wife, oh, is, my wife is currently, I don't know, 20 ish weeks. We have our 20 week appointment tomorrow. So what, what do I need to be concerned with in the, in the first few months here? 
sleep wise. Uh, how do I get, I'll tell you when I usually work out. So I, I typically work out at 10 a.m. Uh, I work from home. I do my thing at 10 a.m. Is that still feasible given a, uh, the first six months of my child or do you think that's not feasible? You're going to hate me for this answer, man, but it depends. Like, so I've got two kids and they could not have been more different and they still are like there. There's just no way of knowing. Uh, my son, when he was born, super chill, napped every day at the same time, was great with the schedule, slept through the night for the most part. I just the easiest going baby you could ever, ever expect. I'm going to tell you a story here in just a bit, but um, my daughter was the exact opposite, like did not stick to a schedule, um, napped for maybe 20 minute spurts at a time, uh, was took two hours to get her to bed at night, uh, just would fight and fight and fight sleep at bed at uh, bed at night. And so you just never know. And so I could tell you, like, I, I just told you, like, that's my experience. So you fit in your workout when you can. And eventually, yes, you will begin to build up some semblance of a schedule again. But I see far too many dads try to fit baby into their schedule rather than fitting their schedule into babies. And that's where uh, that's where a lot of dads can go off the rail. And, you know, the story that I just referenced earlier, when I first became a dad, um, I didn't pay too much attention to my health, like I said earlier. And I let stress, the stress of just being a new dad, of, of you know, getting the diaper bag ready and whenever we were going to go out, whenever we were going to go to church or go to the grocery store, just all the stuff. And I was so focused on taking care of my wife that I never did anything for myself. And one day we were getting ready to leave to go. I believe it was to go to church. I bent down to pick up the diaper bag, stood up, vision was gone could not see anything. I, I went blind. I'm freaking out. I'm like, what is going on? And all of a sudden, like I get this splitting pain through my head, like, like I had been shot through the head with an arrow. I'm freaking out. Now, my mom and her husband were thankfully there and they were like, we're going to take you to the hospital. We have no idea. You could be having a stroke. I'm now I'm really freaking out because I'm saying like, if I have a stroke and I can't like, I'm a new dad. What's my wife going to do? Like, what if I die from this? I, I, I'm, I'm running through all the scenarios, right? All the worst case scenarios. Long story short, it was an ocular migraine. It was an ocular migraine where the, uh, the ocular nerve that runs from your eyes to your brain get constricted to the point where it cuts off your vision and it's brought on by stress. I was so stressed and I had no outlet for relief of that stress and I was so focused on everyone else around me, appropriately too, I'm a new dad, right? That I had, I put myself in the hospital, man. So my advice to you, find time to take care of yourself. It is as much needed as taking care of your new child and your wife. That's what dads need to understand. There is no noble cause in living a life purely for everyone else and never taking care of yourself to the point you put stress and pressure on other people. Take care of yourself. You cannot fill an empty vessel from another empty vessel. Take care of yourself, man. 
that and, and fit fitness in where it is appropriate in those first several months and understand, I promise you, it gets easier, man. It, it gets easier. Awesome information. Thank you for both letting uh, the young trainers know about that and the young or future dads know about that as well as the, the current dads. Now let's, let's get to you. I want you to tell everyone, the listeners here, plug your stuff, Fit Dad Fitness, Michael Ashford, where, where can they find all of your stuff? The hub of everything, man, is fitdefitness.com. I, uh, you know, that's that's my website. I've got free workout guides and and kind of templated guides there. If uh, if you're just starting out, if you're a little bit more of an advanced lifter, you know, I've got workout guides that are again free to download called Project Size and Project Size Two, which were the exact workouts that I used when I first started working out. Um, so that's all there. Blogs, you can reach my podcast there. But the and then I'm on Instagram at FitDev Fitness. I'm on Facebook at FitDev Fitness page. And yeah, the FitDev Fitness podcast. We're almost 350 episodes into that bad boy and uh, not slowing down. So it's it's a great time. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks again for hopping on the Truly Fit podcast. And uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Steve. Remember to check out our social media sites, which are all listed at Truly Fit app. There, you can find the polls to questions concerning potential upcoming topics for our podcast and leave your information or our colleagues and friends information who you would think best fit for discussion of that topic. Thanks again.